Thank you so much for joining me today. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. I received this note from Matthew. He sent in on our forums, and he said this. This is part of what he said, and I want to share it with you. He said, what you all did for me was point me to Jesus. There was nothing better you could have done. You saved my life. You are the hands and feet of Jesus here, and one day when we meet, we'll feast together in in celebration. That was written by Matthew. It is a couple of sentences from a longer note that he uh, wrote in that he put on the forum expressing gratitude for what he had been going through for the past year and how the Lord had directed him to this ministry and how God had worked through this ministry to help him. Inside the note that he sent to me, he he referenced an article on our website, one of many that he has read, and he reminded me of the article. I had forgotten about it. It has been a while since I had looked at this article. But when he reminded me of it, I thought, well, you know, it's time to, to bring this one up and turn it into a podcast. Our method over the past 10, 10 plus years, first was to write a lot of content. And so I, I wrote furiously for many years, putting article content up on our website. And then uh, we evolved. We took it to the next level, which we started podcasting. So then I have been, for the last several years, since 2015, been putting our article content in audio format so people can read or listen or do both. And so we have almost a thousand podcasts now that I have done since 2015. But this one here, I have not put in an audio format yet. So I told Matthew on the forum that I wanted to spruce this up a bit, and I want to put it into an audio format for him and anyone else who who may be interested. The title of this podcast, and I'll need to, I, I will need to explain this to you, and I'll be glad to do that, but if you want to find uh, this article and read it, it is a short article on our website. You're welcome to do that. It's titled, Being Divorced is Like a Man in a Tux and Brown Shoes. Those of you who have followed our ministry closely for a while now, you know that I am divorced. I have the scarlet D on my chest. It happened back in the late 80s when my wife left and we ended up in divorce. I spent, uh, it was in my second year of Bible college, and I'm not going to rehearse all. All that that meant, but it was a devastating thing, and I'll just put it that way. And you can pack a lot of horrificness inside that word devastating. Uh, it was it was beyond anything that I've ever experienced in my life, and I've <laughs> I've had my share of I have I've had many opportunities to steward suffering. Just let me put it that way. And last year, in 2018, I published a book called Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. And that book 
is autobiographical as I go through I, I go through the book of Job. It is the journey that God took me through 30 years ago. And I told him back then, I said, Lord, never let me forget. I want to make many copious notes, mental notes, that is. I want to make many mental copious notes of what I'm going through, what I'm learning, because I don't want to ever go through this again. And I need to learn what you are teaching me in this crucible of suffering. Well, there are many stories there. And one of the things that the Lord taught me as I had to work through is this idea of being a man in a tux with brown shoes on. Now, for those of you postmodern friends. That's not a good thing, by the way, FYI. And so a few years ago, I wrote this article, and it has been sitting on our website for a while. And then Matthew comes along, and, and he's going through a similar thing. And it, it is a heart, heartbreak that is just is hard to compare. It's hard to describe. And he landed on our website And he began reading, and the Lord ministered to him and helped to pull him out of that horrific ditch. And so a year later, he writes with gratitude. One of the reasons that I'm sharing this is because I want to acknowledge two new members uh, who came to us last uh, yesterday. Kathleen became a $10 recurring member. Thank you, Kathleen. And then Olga also became a a 10-year, ten 10-year, uh, hopefully 10 years, Olga, a $10 monthly recurring member as well. Olga, I want to say that uh, I do know a lot, another lady named Olga. Uh, she, has, she passed away a few years ago, but I had the privilege of counseling her and her husband a long time ago. And Regrettably, sadly, uh, this is uh, counseling Olga. Every time I see your name, it reminds me of the Olga that I counseled. And Olga was the first and only person that I've ever fallen asleep on in counseling. I may tell that story at some point, but Olga's a gracious lady. She was wonderful. (laughs) And it was terribly embarrassing. It was after lunch in a hot office and I just couldn't keep it together. And anyway, when I see you, when I saw your name come through, Olga, it reminded me of my friend, Olga, that I fell asleep on. By the way, I did that twice in the same counseling session. And I've never fallen asleep on anyone before or since, praise God. But uh, Olga, we made a memory, and she was gracious and humble, so all things were all things were well between us, and I'm grateful for that. But Kathleen and Olga, who are supporting our ministry as they came to us yesterday, I want you to know about Matthew, and I want other people to know about him, and a lot of people like him. Yesterday we had over almost 7,000 visitors, over 6,500 visitors that came uh, to our website, and they all come uh, out of curiosity. They all come looking for help. Many of them are hurting and they are struggling. 
even today on our forums, we've had people write in sharing the, uh, some uh, things that they're going through and they're looking uh, for advice, whether they have addictions or they have marriage problems or parenting problems, all sorts of issues, everything that's common to humanity. Well, one of those things is divorce, and I wanted Kathleen and Olga and the rest of you who are supporting our ministry, I want you to know it's why I share these things with you. I want you to know that you're really helping real people who are going through significant circumstances, and Matthew is one of them. Matthew, if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you for writing in. I want to thank you for coming to our ministry. All of us have something that we have gone through. Some, For some, it's, it's really traumatic and significant. And if it is, you have a special affinity toward people who go through a similar thing as you should have. That's normal and that's a good thing, even though we are sympathetic and empathetic toward all people who are struggling. Uh, but if it's something that we have gone through ourselves, then it is more intimate to us. It, it has a, a kind of meaningfulness that is unique because it's our experience. And because I went through this many years ago, uh, when someone like Matthew writes in, uh, it just means a lot to me. Uh, I, I turn the clock back. I, I go back in history and I, I think about those days of wandering the streets, literally picking up aluminum cans and trying to make some money so that I can eat that day and just crying out to God. And I think about the loneliness and not having a friend. I think about being alienated from my religious community because of how they viewed divorce and all of that nonsense. And 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 I think about having this opportunity, I mean, what what was birthed out of that, out of that crucible is this ministry here. And so when people like Matthew come along, it is just so affirming, it is encouraging. I, I can't tell you how, it's just hard to articulate how encouraging it is uh, that hurting people come to our ministry. That is what we are about. It is what we will always be about by the grace of God until Jesus takes me home and the plan is is for this to continue on long after after I've after I've gone and so I wanted Kathleen and Olga and our other supporters to know that you're doing a good work uh, by partnering with us by underwriting our ministry and I'm just grateful to God for you so if you want to read this short article it's just a little over 500 w words this is one of the shorter ones that I've uh, put out there, but again, it's titled Being Divorced is Like a Man in a Tux and Brown Shoes. All sin is the same in that any transgression will put Christ on the cross. It doesn't matter what the sin is. You grumblers out there, you complainers out there, Christ died for that sin too. Uh, but all sins are not the same consequentially. And divorce is one of those sins that ranks higher from a consequential perspective. The pain, the, the, the impact that it has, not just on the two individuals that are going through it, 
but also for the children, the families, the church, the community. It's a ripple effect that affects many different people, and it's really painful. And I guess I should say at this point, I'm, I'm talking about divorce from the perspective of the person who didn't want a divorce. I know there are some people that will write in and say, my divorce wasn't hard at all. I was glad to get rid of him and that kind of thing. And I get that, but that's also myopic as well. Uh, that is a self-centered perspective, a self-centered way of looking at things because it is painful. But more importantly than anything else for the person who's happy about their divorce is that the fame of God is marred. It doesn't spread God's fame. And once you get outside of thinking about the personal victory that you may have because you've gotten rid of that person, I'm glad that you're safe and I'm glad that you're not hurting anymore, but we don't want to be myopic in how we view divorce. None of us should want it. And I'm sure even the person who is glad they are divorced would not say, I pray they wouldn't say that they went into marriage with a light-hearted or a low view of divorce. And divorce is consequentially, is it is a painful thing and it's a difficult thing and it, it, it complicates many lives. Adequately describing it is hard. That's why I have described it at times like the divorce guys, like a man wearing a tux with brown shoes. Another analogy that I've used that it's like a car with four good tires on the car, and then there's this small, dinky donut tire in the trunk. The divorce guy is the donut. And I'm using the, the he uh, pronoun here, but you can apply this to she as well. I'm not marginalizer saying it's not difficult for a female. It's, it's just as difficult. But I'm writing this from the, uh, the male perspective here, and even though it is applicable to a female. I had a divorce guy write in, and that's why I wrote this article here. Here's what he said. I once had a purpose when I read God's Word that motivated me to minister to others, but now that I now I'm divorced. My usefulness feels more like relegation to a backup position in a, in a dark trunk. And that's, that's the way it can feel for a lot of people who have gone through a divorce. The divorced guy had a life partner once upon a time. He used to enjoy relational contacts that were mostly married couples. After marriage, his network changed from singles to couples. He became a married guy in a married world. Today, he's single again. He lives in that surreal place between married and single, and he doesn't fit well in, in either context. When he enters a room, he, he scans the crowd only to see husband, wife, Husband, wife, husband, wife, husband, wife, and himself. He's the odd man out. Something akin to a spare tire, a dinky donut in the trunk of a car. 
Besides having worked through the disappointment of a marriage gone wrong, he now has to figure out where he fits in in his scary new world. Few opportunities picture the gospel better than reaching out to a divorced person. Whether it is a male or a female, it doesn't matter. But the gospel is perfect for this kind of person because the Savior came for the outcast, the downtrodden, the person that doesn't fit in. And you can make so many applications to so many lives. And I'm talking about people who have never been divorced. The gospel is perfect for the outcast, the downtrodden, the defeated, the broken. The pain of divorce is hard to explain to those who have not walked this lonely road. I have described it in the past. It's like the amputee who reaches down to scratch his leg that doesn't exist. It's a phantom pain. I remember it all too well. I described it like my flesh was out there in the community somewhere out there in society but I couldn't reach it, couldn't touch it, couldn't feel it, but I felt the pain. Divorce is a very weird and surreal and odd place to be. And with that in mind, I want to share with you a few thoughts that will serve you as you seek to to help our divorced brothers and sisters who are trying to start over again. Here's some ideas that you can maybe implement into your life that you can talk about in your small group. In fact, I would encourage you to take this article and that you share it in your small group and that you you be bold enough and compassionate enough to have this conversation among your friends. The church needs to be equipped and envisioned and being intentional about going out and seeking those people who who feel like outcast and downtrodden, defeated and broken. Typically, uh, people like this will not put themselves forward. And they will not be intrusive and put themselves into the conversation or into the relational context. Here are some ideas that I hope will help you. Uh, to serve those who are struggling, whether they're divorced or the shy person, the person who's wrapped up in fear of man, or the sexually abused person who has been beat up all of her life by uh, whomever, however that has played out, and they just they just stay in the shadows, they just sit in the back, and they need this gospel advancement. They need you coming and helping them. And so here's some things to consider. Divorced people are more aware than you are of their condition. So treat them like normal people. Even to this day, more than 30 years later, I am still aware of my condition Sometimes it's, it can be inhibiting to talk about being divorced on this podcast because some people just, some people have, they can be so hostile toward people like me and they treat people like me as though we have, that we're lepers and they stay away from us. And that's what happened in our, my religious culture. They alienated themselves from me, wouldn't have anything to do with me. They relegated me to the, the lower shelf of, 
of the grocery store. Uh, I was a backseat Christian, and that's why this notion of a man in a tux and brown shoes came to me several decades ago. Uh, divorced people are very much aware of their condition, and one of the best things you can do is treat them like like normal people. Number two, a divorced person needs to see the gospel in your life, meaning love them in practical ways. Ask God to illuminate your mind. Ask the Spirit of God. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Pray to God the Holy Spirit, and ask Him to illuminate your mind and to help you uh, to know, to discern how you can practically love someone who's divorced. Now, again, let me state again that you can change this word divorce if you want to, but how can you, let's just make it outcast, let's make it those three words, that I, those four words that I mentioned earlier, outcast, downtrodden, defeated, and broken, uh, those are four words that describe a divorced person, but they also describe other people as well. And so point number two, love them in practical ways. Ask the Holy Spirit to eliminate your mind so that you can know how to do this. Number three, a divorced person will not invite themselves to your home. Be aggressive in reaching out to them. Be intentional. Remember the intentionality of the gospel. Jesus came and intruded into our world. Jesus is our first missionary, and he came to our place to rescue us. Don't be passive in this matter, but a divorced people don't typically invite themselves to your home. So you be aggressive in this matter. You be intentional, you be Christ, you be missional, and you reach out to them. Number four, reach out to them on their birthday as well as major holidays. These days will be difficult for them. I remember the, I remember the first everything, <laughs> the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas. I was the resident prayer at, uh, for our family, you know, you always have one person in the family that they call on to pray, especially if your family was dysfunctional like mine was. And so when I showed up for events, we need to pray. Hey, Rick, would you pray for us? I remember praying at Christmas and I couldn't, I just prayed through tears. I was blubbering because I couldn't keep it together because it was my first Christmas without my family. And so remember them on their birthdays. I remember uh, my brother calling me on my, on my birthday, and he called me right at the time where I was having a, uh, a birthday party. The birthday party was me. <laughs> I was the party. And I went to the grocery store to get my birthday cake, and uh, the person behind the counter said, "What do you? How do you want to, you know, swirl it up? How do you want to decorate it?" I said, "No decoration, nothing at all. Just give me a plain white icing cake. I'll take a plain cake." And I, I set it up uh, on a little table in my little house, and I had a picture of my my family uh, in a small five by seven picture that was sitting beside. Uh, the cake, and then I had a card that my brother had sent me, and he had called me right in that moment and encouraged me, and 
it was uh, I'm glad he did because I was I, I was in between uh, crying and then he hung up and then I just I cried and I sang happy birthday to myself uh, through many tears. So number four, reach out to him on his birthday as well as major holidays. These days will be difficult for him. Number five, reach out to him on his past wedding anniversary. This particular day will be a sad one too. Number six, reach out to him on the birthday of his kids. If he has kids, these days can be very difficult. Not just difficult, but they can be complex depending on the relationship with the wife, depending on the ages of the children, because the children are in a a terrible place at this point. They live in two worlds as well. And that's what I was saying earlier. This is a complicated problem. So number one, divorced people, they are aware of their condition. Number two, the divorced person needs you to love them practically. Number three, divorced person will not invite themselves to your home probably. Number four, reach out on his birthday and major holidays. Number five, reach out on his past wedding anniversary. Number six, reach out on the birthday of the kids. And then number seven, he's just like you and me. In that none of us have merit that garners, garners favor with God. This ties back into what I was saying earlier, that he is a normal person, and so treat him normally. He is just like you and me. Number eight, he's probably not after your spouse. And so don't treat him as though he's on the prowl. Probably not is what's going on here. And... Just take that for what it is. Number nine, save a place for your divorced friend at the church meeting. Don't let him sit alone. I remember when I I pastored, one of the things that we talked about regularly with our small group leaders, with our small groups, with our church, is that on Sunday morning, uh, try to stay away from your friends Try to stay away from those that you hang out with like all the time and then go and look for someone either you don't know or more importantly, find someone who's sitting alone. Let the corporate meeting on Sunday morning be an opportunity to be missional, to be like Christ. The divorced guy will probably be sitting alone And so save a place for your divorced friend at the church meeting. Don't let him sit alone. Sit with him or talk to him at the breaks that you have, but always be scanning the room looking for these outsiders. And then finally, number 10, invite him to your small group meetings. Whether it's a church group that's gathering for something or just a group of you or going to do some event or you're having a cookout or whatever it may be, invite him. I remember my friends Ken and Jan, they invited me over to their home many times and I didn't want to go. It was hard. It was hard going because it was a reminder of what I didn't have. It was hard leaving because I was going back to my dungeon, but they got me going They got me out of the house, and it was good every time. You can be miserable at home, or uh, you can get with other people, and it's better to be relational. It's better to be in a community. Divorce is not God's best, and the divorce guy knows this, so don't tell him that. 
he is well aware that he has made mistakes. No two people can divorce and one be innocent, completely innocent. He knows that he has made mistakes. And ironically, blunders fit perfectly into the schema of the gospel. The gospel is not for mistakeless people. God came to rescue a mistake-ridden people just like you, though you may have never been divorced. What a privilege you and I have to model the gospel to a particular kind of hurting people in our churches as well as our communities. And thus the question to you at the end of this podcast is, have you loved on a divorced person today practically? Or maybe have you loved on, if we pull those four words up that I was using earlier, have, have you loved on the outcast, the downtrodden, the defeated, and the broken? I couldn't make my appeal any stronger. Would you do that? If you want to read this short podcast article, you're welcome to do that. It's titled, Being Divorced is Like a Man in a Tux and brown shoes. He feels very odd, and so you can normalize him by by bringing him into your community and being a friend. If you want to read the book that I was referencing, I, I highly recommend it. I think it's a good book. Uh, it's a book that was written from a, a heart of brokenness. It's my notes that as the Lord took me through this crucible of suffering three decades ago, and and then 30 years later, I, I write it out, and, and I put it in a book, and I would encourage you to do it. We've had some fantastic reviews of this book. I've had some great responses. We've had people order cases of them and share them and go through them together. It's called Suffering Well. It's a play on words, Suffering Well. You have two options. You can suffer poorly or you can suffer well, but there's one thing that's guaranteed. You're going to suffer. And so we need to learn how to steward God's most feared blessing and his suffering. At the end of the day, our suffering can be a wonderful blessing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm grateful to God for you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.